that's one of the biggest things that I think need to change is like getting people just the help on a more constant basis where like, it doesn't take us all to have these like horror stories that nearly end our lives to be able to like finally turn it around. Like we have to be able to find a way to turn it around like earlier on that road. I'm Lily Cornell Silver and welcome to Mind Wide Open, my mental health focused interview series. Today I am talking to Mason Spector, who is one of the founders of the clothing brand Mad Happy and their mental health platform called The Local Optimist. Mason and I talk about our personal journeys with mental health and how we translate that into mental health advocacy. Thank you so much for watching and I hope you enjoy. Well, thank you so much for being here, Mason. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Are you back? You're back in school, right? Yes. Yeah. Back in online school. Uh, back in Seattle. Okay, cool. So it's been, it's been a little bit. I would love to hear just how you came up with the vision and the idea for Mad Happy, the mission statement behind it, your goals for it. Just give like the overview. I would love to hear that. For sure. Um, so it was definitely a collective effort. I mean, I have like partners and like a team who I'm super grateful for and we all work like really well together. Um, and it's definitely part of what makes us successful and grow and why we've able to um, get to where we are. I think Mm -hmm. to kind of talk about the mission and where it comes from, I have to back up a little bit with like my personal story. Like, obviously I was born in 1994 in Colorado. Um, My parents were both pretty young uh, before I was a year old. Uh, My biological father, um, I don't know too much about him, but I know he just wasn't really ready to have a son and, and commit in that regard. And him mm-hmm. and my mom split up uh, before I was even one year old. So mm-hmm. me and my mom went from Colorado back to Michigan, where she was from and where she grew up. Uh, we moved in with my grandmother. Around the same time, uh, my mom started to date this guy who was one of her family friends who had also just gotten out of a marriage. And it was kind of like, oh, you just got divorced. Like, you just got divorced. Like, you guys should go have coffee or whatever. Right. So they ended up doing that. And they fell in love as partners. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is the man who I call my dad, who's technically my stepdad, but he adopted me and is who I refer to as my father for the rest of the story. He had two kids from a previous marriage, and my mom had me from her marriage. So it was the three of us. Um, We moved to Los Angeles for a job opportunity for him. So the three of us moved to L.A. from Michigan. He still has his two kids from his first marriage in Michigan. We're going back and forth to Michigan every month um, to see my stepbrother and sister, who Mm -hmm. I call just my brother and sister. Um, Unfortunately... Very tragically, his first wife and their mother passed away in 2002 uh, from brain cancer. So when that happened, the two of them moved to L.A. to live with us. Um, And then simultaneously, my mom and my dad had two kids of their own. So we have a family of seven. Very blended. Yes, I have four (laughs) brothers and sisters um, who I love with all my heart. And that's kind of our blended family situation. And then in 2010, um, my dad came out of the closet to all of us and my parents got a divorce. Um, So that was actually Uh like the the 10 year anniversary was this past summer. Um, And the reason I'm telling you all this, I think is just because from what I've learned, like family of origin is the most important thing of like how we are, the way we are and really who we are and the why and all these things. And I think it's like kind of the thing that we can't control and just kind of happens to us. And it's like the cards that we're dealt and we have to deal with. So like through a lot of my work, the more, 
for me to learn about myself and understand myself and where I want to go, I have to learn about like them and like where I came from. Right. So like so many dynamics there, I was the oldest and then I became the middle child and I, I had like a, just a bunch of really hard stuff that I didn't really understand at the time that led to me feeling like super insecure about myself and struggling a lot with like depression and just feeling so like misunderstood and like an outcast, which turned to me like looking to drugs and alcohol and women and all these kind of like external things. Um, I went to Indiana for Mm -hmm. one semester and I kind of was looking around at the juniors and the seniors and was just kind of like, this doesn't feel like me and this doesn't feel right for me um, and this doesn't feel good and I don't want my life to look like that when I'm at that age so I spoke to my parents I ended up dropping out of school um, super blessed to like have just a transparent honest relationship with them where I could express that to them because I feel like so many kids just kind of do what they think they're supposed to do and never kind of like stop and talk to their support system and be like hey does this feel right for me like let's talk about this From there, I tried going to community college, but again, just wasn't really working or making sense for me. Um, I started a clothing company um, probably back when I was like 20 slash 21 with uh, one of my partners now. His name's Noah. Um, And we were just two kids who really felt misunderstood and were creative and wanted to express ourselves. Um, And we learned a lot. We kind of just hit the streets of downtown L.A., Um, that somewhat fizzled out. Um, we had a little bit of success, but was more just a great like learning experience. And then we were kind of in another lull period where it was just like, fuck, like I shouldn't have dropped out of college. We just failed. Like, what am I doing? I feel terrible about myself. I went to one of my friends, uh, college basketball games and it was his last year as a senior. Um, and I remember this like super vividly. I was in my car after by myself in the parking lot sending him a text, congratulating him. And I was just like, yo, I'm mad happy for you. And I <laughs> Literally. And I just kind of like stopped. And it was one of those like aha moments, like we say. And it was, right. I was just like, wow, like this feels really powerful. This feels really special. This feels like exactly where I am in this moment of my life. This mm-hmm. feels just kind of like the essence of life, like in a way that everyone could relate to on some level. Um And it just felt really right. So I immediately went home and called Noah and told him about the name and and he loved it. And then from there, we got my two other partners, Payman and Josh involved. And we kind of built this thing with really that messaging. Um, And yeah, now we are three, four years later. And, and it's crazy. That was a really long answer. Amazing. No, no, no. That's perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and, and I super, I really appreciate your emphasis on family of origin. Cause I think that's such a real thing. And, and especially the way you see parental figures demonstrate how they deal with mental health. That's yeah. how I, I learned, you know, like what you do when you're struggling with your mental health and, and what kind of openness you have, what kind of honesty you have about it. Totally. I think for me, I always say it's like my blessing and my curse. Like when um, my sibling's mother had passed away in 2002, like Mm -hmm. I mentioned, that's when my mom first put me in therapy. So I was like seven years old and I, I, I don't remember, but she tells me that I was asking questions of just like not really understanding death. Like, does this mean that you're going to die mom? Like things like that. So that was really instilled in me in like a super young age of just like, feel inside and like, see how you feel and talk about how you feel and kind of ask these questions and don't run away from it and don't be shy. Um, so that was like, it's just something that has always stuck with me and something that has always felt really 
right and like normal for me and is almost kind of like I said my blessing and my curse has kind of hurt me at times like when I've I've gone like too deep and too dark and depression has felt like a comfortable place for me and it can kind of like feel like it's just a part of you um so yeah I'm, I'm definitely thankful for her that I've just always been lucky to like know that it's okay to just talk about shit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that I, I started therapy when I was seven as well actually and oh, I, really that's shaped so much of my like my outlook towards mental health but also how I talk about mental health because from that young age being provided with a vocabulary you know to mm-hmm. be able to to talk to others like in confidently you know what I mean to feel like oh I I know what I'm experiencing and like I'm able to convey that without tripping over my words or without you know not understanding like what's going on in my head like I think that's such a huge everyone deserves that you know what I mean yeah, that's such a big part of it. Like even I, I went to uh, like two years ago, I kind of had, or a little over two years ago, the summer of 18, I had kind of mm-hmm. like my rock bottom mm-hmm. moment um, and I went away to treatment. And like so much of what I still take from that experience was just like building my emotional and mental like toolbox of like having these things mm-hmm. that we can use, these words and these exercises to be able to like articulate it and vocalize it and like identify it because like just like you said it's like everyone needs everyone feels stuff and people like don't know how to get it out and like that's so much of like part of what the what the thing is that that we're trying to do at Mad Happy and that you're trying to do with this is like we need to identify and understand these things so people can talk about them otherwise you just like feel frustrated and you have a drink because you just don't know like what else to do you know right or you didn't learn any other like tools of externalization or, or that's yeah. what, what your parents did. Like you saw yeah. like, your parents got angry, they go get a drink. So that's like how you've learned. Like, I, yeah, that's, that's such a huge part of it that I'm, I'm really glad you touched on. Um, and you said earlier that depression was, and like low self-esteem was something that you'd struggled with from a young yeah. age. Do you mind yeah. talking about what, like what that felt like when, from being like a younger person? Yeah, I think it like, um, so one of my brothers, my dad's son um, from his previous marriage is only six months older than me. So I basically grew up with like a twin. Um, totally. And when you're a kid, um, it's super hard not to just compare yourself and like measure yourself. So like he's someone who's just like a natural genius and like mm-hmm. so intellectual and just like really good in school. So I, I felt like growing up, that was kind of the only way I knew how to like measure feeling good about myself or like success. Like, so even to this day, I still struggle with just like feeling dumb or like feeling stupid or just like not really being good at like that part of life. And I think when I was younger, that part of life seemed so much more important. And that seemed like the only way to really measure like success and like feeling good about yourself. So I think that kind of set me off on a path of just always kind of feeling less than and inferior and then just kind of led to just me being more quiet and like introverted. And then I, I, I kind of had to discover what, what is going to make me feel good and like, where, where can I find my value? And unfortunately for me that, that started with like girls at like a young age. Like I, I, I would go just kind of now, like what I battle in like my sex and love addiction that I struggle with is just like feeling good, finding my like internal value from like external things, which like was females for me at like a young age before I started to kind of enter high school and get into drinking and smoking. And then paired with that just kind of doesn't help anyone who like struggles with depression at all. So like, right. That's kind of where it started. And then unfortunately, like my coping mechanisms just kind of 
push me deeper in the hole, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's, that's the negative feedback loop of all of it is it's a temporary relief that ultimately makes it worse. And so you rely heavier on the temporary relief, which only makes the original yeah. problem worse. Just out of curiosity, are you the only child from your mom and biological dad? Yeah. So okay, that's, I'm the exact same. I, I'm the only kid from my mom and biological dad, but I have three older step siblings and two younger half siblings. And so I'm like the total same, like sandwiched in the middle. So you're one of six. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to count it out. Yes, yes, yes. You're one of but six. Like, I'm one of five. Yeah. But with the older step siblings and then the younger half. Technically, we're both only children and we yes. both started therapy at age seven. Yes. <laughs> and we have all sorts of other siblings, but yeah, I'm, I'm the same way and, and always, um, always consider my step or half or whatever, like my sibling. Yeah. It's weird. Like technically, technically being an only child, but also being part of like a huge family. Right. Yeah. But I'm curious, I'm curious to hear more about your experiences with self-medication in, in whatever forms, um, because that's something that I see a lot of young people and like a lot of my peers struggle with. And that's also something like I grew up in the music industry and, and um, my dad took his own life and, and was an addict for many years. And so that's something that I've been really curious in understanding more about is, is self-medication as a form of coping Totally. I mean, I could definitely only speak for myself, obviously, right. but for me, it was just like, I wanted to feel better and I didn't have this wealth of information and knowledge and support system behind me. Like we talked about before that like toolbox at the time, like when you're just a 14, 15, 16 year old kid um, and it's not really cool or like sexy to tell your friends that you were going to therapy like at least it wasn't <laughs> like back in like 2009 like when I started high school right but I think it's just like a natural human kind of instinct is like I don't feel good I want to feel better what is around me that can make me feel better the fastest that involves the least amount of effort and like right. usually those are the most unhealthy things it, 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 it's obviously so much more complicated than that but like for <laughs> me to understand it and like that that's really what it comes down to Absolutely. And did you ever feel um, like being being a young man? Did you feel like that created blocks in like for you to be vulnerable, like with your peers? Because I know there's a difference in that in, like gender spectrum. Totally. I think um, that's a great point that you bring up, because even just like a little side note, so much of like what I'm passionate about now is really like defining what the modern man is. And like nothing brings me more joy than like talking to younger men who are in middle school and who are in high school and like explaining to them that they don't have to kind of be that like tough macho man that like I grew up thinking I had to be or like it's not like you're not classified as like all right you either play sports or you're in theater or you're like over here like you know it's like you can kind of do all these things um and I'm someone who like loves playing sports and like is athletic but like I'm also a huge like sensitive crybaby but definitely growing up um I was a shy sensitive kid and definitely didn't feel like I was really like a strong masculine like dude who could like feel good about himself um and those were definitely the kind of like boys that were seeming to be the most normal I guess um so I'm I'm super fascinated by just like gender roles in general and, and how they're changing for the better, especially when it comes to like what it means to be a man. And that, and I'm so appreciative to have your voice on this series and, and um, have had a few other like 
men around my age uh, talking about this because I think it is so important to open that dialogue because I think the dialogue has been especially closed for for male identifying people. It, it, it's like silly to even think about it now, but like how could any smart person ever think that like talking about how you felt made you weak or like how could any person ever think that like crying makes you weak, you know, like that's an expression just as like laughing is or something. So to just like think that like strength and, and stability and all these things comes from like ignoring stuff is just like, that's, that's like the dumbest thing that I've ever heard. Like, you know what I mean? That is as masculine where, whereas like um, somehow emotions became like being emotional became a feminine trait. Like, yeah. Yeah. And like, no one, no one says it better than like Brene Brown, obviously, who's just like vulnerability is the biggest act of courage possible. Like, you know, so if, if like, that's what we kind of need to keep spreading is like, there is nothing stronger and more brave than being vulnerable. And like, if, if being a man is all about being strong and brave, then like we should be the most vulnerable. Right. Right. Practicing radical vulnerability. Absolutely. So then when it comes back to you guys launching Mad Happy, obviously like the mission, could you talk a little bit more about the mission statement for people who don't, who might not know? For sure. Yeah. So obviously with the name Mad Happy, it, it it's kind of just reminding people to really value both sides of life and like the ups and the downs. And like, there are times where we're going to be really sad and like, that's completely okay. Like we have to acknowledge those times and value those times just as much as we do when we're happy because they couldn't really exist without each other. And they really are like two important pieces um, that make us whole. So that's really what kind of the ethos of the brand is in that sense of just like, we're going to have really bad days and months and weeks and we could even have a bad year and like that's inevitable and like that's okay and we need to talk about that and value that and be open about that to really like live our best lives and like move forward in the way that we want to and that's been that's been very central to the to the work I've had to do for myself in terms of healing is not being afraid of like what are classified as negative emotions, you know, like feeling that when I do feel that depressive episode or like waves of grief or waves of PTSD or whatever it is, I do tend toward like, what can I do to, to alleviate myself right in this moment? Like what can I do to make this feeling stop right now? When in reality, like there's no need to feel afraid of those emotions because they're not permanent. Yeah. That like, it, it definitely gets complicated. Like it, it's totally a balance because it's like, you do want to welcome it. And it's like, if you feel that way, feel that way. Like you don't need to ignore the feeling. You don't need to fight it. Um, I always kind of try and give myself like goals of like, all right, if I'm feeling like this, like, let me feel like this for today and just like really sit in it. And then tomorrow I can kind of come up with a plan or like, what are some things that I can do? Like, so I'm not like consciously feeling it for too long, like where I could get stuck. Um, But definitely I think it's so important to just like feel what we're feeling and not just try and like, deflected out of the way all the time. Right. And I think that's something that like societally you're, you're a lot more rewarded for being high functioning. And so there's that, that notion that's like, okay, if I'm feeling depressed, like I still have to get all my shit done. I still have to like keep myself together and, and, you know, put up an appearance that I'm still doing well. Um, That's why I appreciate what you, what you guys are doing. And that's where I'm trying to make changes as well is like shifting that narrative that you have to put up that front. Yeah, I think like, unfortunately, one of the biggest things that has like perpetuated that front is like social media, obviously, right? Like where we Mm -hmm. just kind of look at like 
the highlights of people's lives. And it's just kind of like a competition as to like who can seem like they're doing better, like virtually. Um, so like I've had my own complicated relationship with like Instagram over the years of, of having it and not having it and right. really like using it and, and being public or private and whatever. Um, and obviously I think there's a lot of like benefits that social media has given us as well, like even in the mental space, but definitely not when it comes to like kind of, putting up this front, like everything's okay and kind of competing with each other and using it as a way to like feel good about ourselves through like reassurance of like likes or something. And I'm curious for you, cause you said a couple years ago was when you felt like you were at your lowest and that was well, that was after you'd launched Mad Happy. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, like, cause I've come into this a little bit in, in trying to work in the mental health space uh, doing this series, trying to bolster others and, and help others. And then there are times where I feel like my mental health is like so trash. Like I'm like, (laughs) my mental health is so bad right now. And here I am trying to be like, Oh, like you're going to be fine. Um, so I'm curious how that was for you, like feeling like you were at your lowest point in life while also trying to like maintain a mental health platform. Yeah. I mean, it's always easier, like, to tell other people what to do than to like do it yourself. You know what I mean? And not even to tell other people what to do, but to just like help our friends. Like, like I'm always able to like tell people what I think and kind of speak on my own experience. But like, I'm so, so bad at practicing what I preach, like for, (laughs) for whatever reason. Like, so, so I was living just a really unhealthy life. I was in like a really unhealthy relationship where I wasn't being respectful of, of my partner and like boundaries because I was just still really sick with my addiction that hadn't really been treated or like diagnosed yet. And like some other things that I hadn't really learned about my mental health and whatnot. Um, and I was just kind of bullshitting. I was like totally talking the talk and not walking the walk. And that eventually caught up with me. And I, I had a really like ugly breakup that all of my, happiness like was invested in and and I got to a place where I was having a lot of like suicidal ideation and whatnot and like didn't feel like I could really live without this person and didn't like myself enough to live on my own um so that was the hardest time of my life obviously but it's also the biggest blessing of my life um I went to a great like recovery center in Tennessee um that completely changed my life I stopped using drugs and alcohol um and have been sober ever since in the summer of 2018 um so yeah, it, it, yeah, I've never really thought about it paired with like my professional life. Um, but yeah, that is kind of weird to think about, I guess. <laughs> I think just in the sense of like that mental health is such a personal thing. Yeah. Uh, that, that's just been my experience, like, like in wanting to create this open narrative about mental health and then sometimes feeling like I'm not, I'm not, you know, practicing what I'm preaching is like this weird duality. Yeah, yeah. I think also like, just because we're working in the space and we like can talk about it and have some more knowledge, maybe like that doesn't mean like we're like the model citizens who like never struggle. Like, you know what I mean? Like right. this is real. Like that's part of why we talk about it and why we're so passionate about it because it's real. And like, no one's better than anyone else. Like we're just like everyone else in the whole world. Like we all struggle and we all feel really shitty about ourselves sometimes. And like, even if we're talking about it every day, that doesn't mean that like, we're guaranteed to feel better all the time. That's actually so trippy because I'm thinking about like when I first experienced suicidal ideation was the summer of 2018. And that was, that was like where I was at my lowest and, and feeling, yeah, just feel experiencing suicidal ideation for the first time. And, and 
I've always had anxiety, but it started manifesting for me as dissociation. So like, I felt like I was on drugs all the time. Yeah. Like there was nothing I could do to, to gain clarity. Um, and that's where I feel like I definitely learned the value of being open and, and honest about it because I'd always had like, my mom is so open and I, and I'd always had vocabulary around mental health, but I'd right. never experienced dissociation and I'd never experienced suicidal ideation. So I didn't talk about it with anybody because yeah. I, I harboring this idea of like, there's definitely something wrong with me. Like, I'm just going to try to wait for it to go away and right. it wasn't going away because I wasn't addressing it. So yeah. I that like the open dialogue thing. So, so, so much. I didn't even know what like dissociating was until I went to treatment like two years ago. So like, mm you like I don't know if you knew like what it was or not but like how can you talk about something that you're feeling if you don't know what it is like you know what I mean so like it was almost like you were put in an impossible situation of like you can't self-diagnose yourself like you're just a kid who doesn't understand what this super complicated like medical term is like how are you going to know what the hell to do and like unfortunately like it did for me and like most people is like it takes a really bad like episode or something really tragic to happen that pushed me to like the brink of my life to really like get the help. And like, that's, that's one of the biggest things that I think need to change is like getting people just the help on a more constant basis where like, it doesn't take us all to have these like horror stories that nearly end our lives to be able to like finally turn it around. Like we have to be able to find a way to turn it around like earlier on that road. When I first went to treatment, I actually learned something like really beautiful that it like really relates to this because there were some people there when I first got there, like who had really much, I guess, much more tragic stories than myself or were who were there for much more like severe reasons, things, things that I could never even imagine. And my first week or two, it was really hard because I kept finding myself comparing my story to their story. And it was just like, wow, like, I should not be as sad as they are. Or like they have the right to struggle way more than me. And what I learned thanks to the help of some people there is like at the end of the day, like we are both humans, we're all humans and we can only feel this same range of emotions, whether it's like six, seven, eight of these core emotions and everything relates back to those emotions and the way that they release chemicals in our brains and the way that they make us feel is really the same. Like whether like you lost a loved one or you lost a pet or your favorite sports team lost, like not even to like make a joke comparing it to things like that. But like, if you are really sad and like you're really depressed, then that's just how you feel. And it can come from any number of things. It doesn't matter where it comes from or why you're feeling it. It just matters that you're feeling it and you're going to talk about it. So I think that's something that's like really beautiful that can really like, connect us all on just like a human level and like have empathy for each other and really go through this together, I think we'll like feel much more united and like be able to get much more work done. Completely. I completely agree. And yeah, and that, that comparison is such an ugly game and it, it only ends in, in more pain and more hurt for both parties. You know, it doesn't help anybody yeah. to do that, that right. sort of comparison. And in that vein, I wanted to talk about the local optimist, which is something that you guys launched through Mad Happy. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's like the coolest shit ever. I think like all the wealth of yeah. resources on there and, and the interviews and, and everything I think is so amazing. So did that come that did that come after Mad Happy? That definitely came after. I mean, like I said before, kind of where I was mentally and kind of what we wanted the company to be about um, what we started with. We didn't really have like our full brand identity fleshed out. Obviously, in the beginning, I think that kind of came as we went along and started to make products and have pop-ups and kind of build our community and kind of like let it 
take on a life of its own. Right. And the Local Optimist, we launched it in January um, at the top of the year and is something that we really just wanted to provide like a mental health resource for people to come and it's free and have just a bunch of different kind of information. Some of it is more like researched and like medical stuff. And some of it is just like people sharing their stories, all different kinds of things. I mean, I think it's so important to like know what you know and know what you don't know. And like, we know that we're not professionals and we're not like experts. We're just like happy to talk about it and want to be a part of the conversation of like, raising awareness about it. Um, so that's really our place where we collaborate with a bunch of people and work with a bunch of organizations and just like give people a cool place to come to learn about mental health. And like, we take submissions all the time. So like people can just write in their own stories that we'll publish for them. Um, so that's something that we're like super, super proud of and like definitely excited to continue to grow. Yeah, that's huge. That's super cool. And I appreciate that emphasis on accessibility so much because that's something that's missing so much in the mental health space. Yeah. Yeah. So with you guys with Mad Happy, what's like where do you see where do you see it being taken? Like what are some future future goals in terms of like the furthering of the mental health conversation or Yeah, anything? I mean our our big pillar in the mental health conversation is like optimism, right? So I think it's like there's so much in our life that is out of our control, like our family of origin or just like all these cars that we get dealt that we don't have any control of um, that. I think there's some real power in like finding what we can take control of and really focusing on that. So like a big thing for us is like our state of mind or like our outlook on the world. And for us, like that's all about optimism and like choosing to look on the bright side of things and really like leaning into that and like seeing how it can really help us live more fulfilled and more grateful lives. Um, so I think that's our big like pillar in the mental health space. And then obviously we want to just continue to kind of grow our brand and keep creating conversation around mental health, whether it's through like our products on the clothing side or whether it's through these like experiences. We're super grateful that people are starting to pay attention to it more and kind of respect it more and like want to talk about it more and get involved. Um, so I'm super excited to see to see what happens, I guess. Definitely. And it was cool to see uh, over the last couple of years, like I found out about Mad Happy because I started to see like influencers wearing it. Um, and that's something I think social media has been missing for a long time. And now we're finally seeing that, like that more vulnerability and more honesty in that regard. Totally. I think like youth and that youthful energy, like runs the world like it it really does and it sets the trends and it sets the tone for like everything and it's been so cool to see that generation especially be just really like open and receptive to the mental health conversation totally totally and that's something just in doing this series like even in talking to mental health professionals that are like 40 50 60 even like they're professionals in the field and they have been for years and years and years but there's mm -hmm. still there's that reservation to talk about their own experiences like there's that hesitance and when I encounter people like just younger people from younger generations they're like oh my god yeah like do you want to talk about my trauma like yes like I don't even know your last name but let's talk about it right. <laughs> and that's right. something that I think is people just are starved for that people are so dehydrated for for those kinds of vulnerable conversations so yeah why uh I guess I just thought of a question uh, for you if that's okay why do you think like mental health is is having this like moment aside from just kind of like each generation getting better I guess it seems like it's really having kind of like a big stake in like the the worldwide conversation at this point with so much shit going on in the world and the 24-hour media cycle and the amount of information that we have access to on a daily basis I think it's 
pe- like people's lives are so much faster. And so I yeah. think it's become more urgent to be like, people are like, Oh shit. Like I really am not well, you know? Um, and that's, that's something that I think has made people be like, Oh, okay. Like I, we need to talk about it because more and more yeah. people, like the rates of anxiety are way higher. The rates of suicide are way higher. The rates of depression are way higher. Um, so it's created that sense of urgency because life is so much faster now. And that's just, that's like my two cents on it. But what do you think? Um, well, just to be more like current, I think like right. one of the things that I've been telling people when they ask like, like what's like, what's something good that's come out of the pandemic or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, for example, I, I think it's made people like appreciate and understand the importance of mental health, like so much more. I think mm-hmm. it like, we were all forced to adapt and change our routines and really switch things up and like lose a lot of control. Like I said, and like people, a lot of people hate not being in control and like mm-hmm. whether you're working from home or whether you lost your job or whether you had to move back in to your parents' house, all these different kind of things bring up so many feelings and triggers and all these things that like really come to the forefront of our lives and like we have you have to deal with them and I think this is like really allowed people to really not have a choice in like dealing with their shit just for the totally. average person who like mental health wasn't a part of their life at all it like this pandemic and just everything that's been going on has really forced people to just think about it and pay more attention to it um which I think is so valuable and so important and that's definitely been my experience and the experience of most everyone I know yeah so it's, it's, yeah, it's, you know, a silver lining in a very shitty situation, but I would love to know what is something that is giving you hope right now? I think people just feeling more empowered. I think people like taking control of their own lives more and like not just falling in line with the way that like things have been. I think of like all of the protests this summer, I think of just like the turnouts, that we saw for this election, right? Like the most people voting ever. I think of like a state like Georgia flipping. I, th- I like I think like things like that of just like people really taking control of their own lives and like not even politically or just professionally or personally. Like just like we all need to be like the owner of our own life. That that's just so important. Definitely. No, I wholeheartedly agree. Well, thank you. I'm so glad we finally made this happen. Dope, yeah. I'm so glad that this all worked out. Me too. So excited to see what you do with mental health going forward. So excited to see what Mad Happy does with mental health going forward. Super exciting. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Keep it up on the show. It's been awesome. I can't wait to keep watching and uh, good luck. If you like this episode, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave us a review. 